You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call as last night your Indiana Hoosiers fell 80-78 to to the Ohio State Buckeyes at home in an incredibly thrilling game that featured so many big plays back and forth and two overtimes. But ultimately, the Hoosiers fall short as that final desperation heave by the Buckeyes goes in, giving too many of us flashbacks of Nick Anderson from back in the day as the Buckeyes get the win uh, and the Hoosiers fall to 9-9 nine and nine in conference play. And uh, we are here to talk about it with you on this special edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Uh, because of being in town last night, we were all at the game. Uh, and then, of course, the senior speeches, we decided to do the postgame show on Saturday afternoon. And we are doing this from the fantastic recording studio at the home of uh, Galen Clavio, who, of course, guest hosted a few episodes of Assembly Call earlier this season uh, and is the host of Crimson Cast. So uh, we have some special guests for you, so it should be a fun show. I am your host, Jared Morris. Obviously, Ryan Phillips, Andy Bottoms are here, and we are going to break everything down from yesterday's Indiana-Ohio State game here on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And let's start the show as we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And for the banner moment, I want to take you back to the end of the game. It was 77-76, Ohio State with 16 seconds to go. Archie Miller had called a timeout, and this was right after Andrew Dockich had fumbled the ball into the backcourt, giving it to Indiana. Finally, a break had gone our way down the stretch in one of these big games. And Archie decided to go with his best lineup all day. Josh Newkirk, Robert Johnson, Zach McRoberts, Justin Smith, and Juwan Morgan. And in imagining what would happen next... I was obviously hoping that this would be the realization of my longtime premonition that Robert Johnson would make a last-second game winner, but he'd already had that chance at the end of regulation, and in reality, there was really only one place to go with the basketball, and that was Indiana's best player, Juwan Morgan. And Juwan delivered. He hit a scooping layup with seven seconds to go to give Indiana a 78-77 lead, and all that was left for the Hoosiers to secure a win was to defend a last-second mad dash by Ohio State to the other end. But we know how that finished up. Uh, as I mentioned before, in a Nick Anderson-level crush of disappointment. Uh, but still, it doesn't lessen the impact of Juwan's play just seconds prior. Uh, because despite committing too many turnovers, and despite going an abysmal 5 of 12 from the line, Juwan looked more like himself on Friday night than he had in Indiana's previous two games, and he showed, assuming that he can rediscover his confidence at the line, that he is ready to carry the torch as Indiana's next great senior leader should he return to Indiana next season, which I think we all at this point assume that he will. And while the newcomers will be the most intriguing storyline about next season, especially if Romeo commits, and Justin Smith's continued emergence could be a program changer for Indiana, there is no question that Jawan Morgan will be the rock on which any success in 2018-19 is built. And his late bucket in double overtime last night, which would have been a game winner about 98% of the time, was another emphatic reminder of just how big a leap he's made as a junior and a taste of how special he may be as a senior. Our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company 
that is by Hoosiers and for Hoosiers. And this was a, an exciting weekend for our relationship with Hoosier Proud as Ryan and I uh, had the great opportunity to meet Connor, who runs Hoosier Proud. We've been working with them for a couple of years, uh, but had never actually met in person. He came and visited us at, uh, at Kent Sterling Studios on Thursday. So it was great to get to meet him. And, you know, if you're looking for a reason to go to HoosierProud.com, obviously the most important reason is that they have great designs, Uh, you know, be it the the assembly call t-shirts that they designed for us, the officially licensed Indiana apparel that they have, or kind of their flagship products, the the really cool, uh, unique designs that they put on shirts inspired by interesting elements of the Hoosier state. You can find all of that at their website, HoosierProud.com. And your purchases at HoosierProud.com support Indiana-based charities uh, because they are committed to doing that. And so every T-shirt sale, they donate a portion of that to Indiana-based charities. And you can find out what uh, those charities are at the website. And, of course, you save money. They're very generous with our listeners. And if you use the promo code ASSEMBLY, you will get 15% off of your entire order. Again, that is promo code ASSEMBLY at HoosierProud.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team and we will start with Andy Bottoms and his Bottoms line brought to us by IUTickets.shop. Andy, have you wiped the tears out of your eyes after listening to Robert Johnson's senior speech, which was fantastic? Uh, it, it really was good. Um, I, think I'm, I think I'm over it. This is probably a case where um, it, it, it's different for us not to have to react to the show or to the game in the, in the moments immediately following it to have a little bit of time to kind of process everything and, uh, and think through it from a, from a game perspective. Uh, it was just a, a really entertaining game. I and mean, um, felt a lot like other IU games we've seen this season in terms of some of the mistakes, but also, you know, in terms of, of showing some fight to, to come back and being down 12 with about six minutes left in the first half and a pretty unlikely lineup brings him back and gets it tied at the half and then, you know, fall right back behind in the second half and kind of fight back. And, and really, um, there was a McRoberts three with about six minutes left in regulation, cut the Ohio State lead to two. And from that point forward through that, through the end of the game, through both overtimes, nobody led by more than two points. And it was really a, uh, an exciting game, nip and tuck. And, and you just kept hoping, you know, string together one or two stops, string together a couple buckets. And it felt like if anybody could have built a big enough lead, um, somebody could have finally seized control of the game. That never really happened. And, uh, you know, it went down to the wire as a result, but they, uh, you know, a, a, a really good game. I, I was uh, happy to see a guy like Josh Newkirk play well on his senior night, and uh, and Robert Johnson certainly the same thing uh, with him. And and so you know, you continue to find reasons to be uh, to be excited about the future and to be excited even about what this team might be able to do in the Big Ten tournament. And uh, it kind of felt like I turned to the guy sitting next to me at one point. I was like, they got to win one of these close games at some point, don't they? He was uh, really steadfast in his uh, belief that they were going to. So um, <laughs> I was hoping that he was he was proven correctly. Um, as for the Robert Johnson stuff, um, as I think a lot of people probably saw, uh, I did get to meet him after the game. We met up with his uh, high school coach at Knicks before the game. And uh, he, uh, Ryan Marable is his name. And he was nice enough to uh, to have me stick around and, and get to meet Robert. So, uh, to you know, I did just basically got to say thanks. And, you know, these guys asked me what I, I said to him afterward, I think, uh, assuming that I would profess my undying love to him uh, in front of everyone in, a, in an emotional in an emotional moment for all of us. But uh, no, just was uh, was glad to be able to tell him thank you for, for all he'd done for IU and the way he represented the university. Uh, I thought his speech, um, you know, if, if you liked him already, it made you like him more. Uh, and if he was a guy that maybe you'd been hard on over the course of his career, uh, I think he got a really good appreciation of what he's all about. And I think his comment early on about, you know, just being able to hope that he had impacted somebody in a positive way, uh, I thought told you pretty much all you need to know about him. I do think it's awesome that his coach introduced you as the president of his fan club. Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing better than being an almost 40-year-old man getting introduced to a couch kid as the president of your fan club. I was like, oh, boy. 
I, I did try to explain it to him, which I'm sure didn't make it sound any better. I was like, well, we have a post-game show. And I'm like, yeah, crap, that doesn't really make it sound any better either. So. <laughs> yeah. Andy, just let the guy go, okay? Yeah. He needs to go shower. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, okay, and now let's go over to uh, Ryan Phillips and get Ryan's rant brought to us by TheBigLead.com. Uh, you know, I think we all feel like, you know, Indiana gave it their all last night, but I, I think that we're going to look back on this season, and it's going to be a season of missed opportunities. And um, as – Archie Miller works to get his kind of players in for the system and, and, and works to, to fit things together. Um, I, I think we're going to look back on this as, well, these guys didn't really necessarily all fit, but he did a pretty good job at least getting to play in his system. But you look at some of the numbers from this game and, and you realize just how many opportunities were missed. Uh, you know, Jawan Morgan was 5 of 12 from the free throw line. I mean, do, you're right, uh, Jared. He played a great game, but that's just unacceptable from your best player. And it's unacceptable for a guy who has as nice a shot, at least form-wise, as, as Morgan does. I mean, you just can't do that. And... Um, you look at the games they lost against top-tier competition at Assembly Hall, the place that they should get at least one of those games every year, and they, they failed to this year. Um, they played great against Duke. They played great against Michigan State at home. They played great against Purdue, and they played great against Ohio State, at least in stretches, and they could not get over the hump and, and get a victory. And I think that that's the way I'm going to look back on this. Is This was just a team that could never get over the hump. Now, there's still the Big Ten tournament to go, and, and maybe uh, if they if they can string together a few victories, a postseason berth. But you're going to look back on this year and just think they were so close so many times they just couldn't get over the hump. And that's the thing that they have to build towards next year is they have to build towards a group of guys who can close out games. And, and um, you know, I think that some of this is the injury to Deron Davis. You don't have a reliable post guy for easy baskets at all times. So there's more of an onus on a guy like Juwan Morgan to work hard throughout the entire game offensively to get what he needs to get, that leaves him tired at the end of the game. That leaves, you know, more pressure on a guy like Robert Johnson or, uh, you know, depending on the game, Devontae Green or Josh Newkirk, um, Justin Smith, you know, so all of those things, you know, all that, that injury really weighs heavily on everybody else. And, and so, um, hopefully, you know, he comes back, you bring in the other new guys who can all do something offensively, uh, and, and you really find a group of guys who can balance the scoring load out. And that makes closing out late games much easier when you have to rely on your number one guy who we assume will be Jawan Morgan next year. He's not having to carry a piano on his back the entire game. He can kind of save some of that energy and not also not have to play 40 minutes a game to, to get you a win. Um, but I think that I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a couple guys, and that's Zach McRoberts played 43 minutes and played really well, 3-3 three of three from the field, 2-2 two of two from uh, 3. Uh, Justin Smith, I think none of us saw this coming, played 37 minutes. Um, you know, obviously it was a double overtime game, but still that's a lot of minutes for a freshman. And I think, you know, you mentioned it, but Josh Newkirk played really well. And, and I think that we have to acknowledge that because we're as hard on him as anybody. And, and he played a, an outstanding game on his senior night. So hats off to him. For doing we are that. not as hard on Josh Newkirk as everybody. No, no. Okay. Unfair. That that's fair. So. <laughs> that's fair. We're not as hard as everybody, but yeah. you know, we're, we're the, we're pretty hard on him for reasonable human beings. Yes. Okay. Uh, all right. Although some people would argue with me calling myself a reasonable human being. But <laughs> All of us on the show would argue. We'll save, yeah. that, we'll save that for the offseason. Yeah, save that for an offseason show. Okay, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, Andy Bottoms, and some special guests that we'll bring in here in a little bit. So I want to pick up uh, with what you said about Justin Smith because I think you're right. It's probably hard to see 37 minutes coming from him. 
But given what he has been producing over the last three games, I think it, you know what he did Friday night wasn't really all that surprising because he's probably been building toward this. And you know, one of the things that I love coming up and going to these games for a lot of reasons. But you know, one of the things when you go on the court before the game. I'm always reminded of how massive basketball players are. <laughs> it is, yeah. it is so. I remember when we came up the first time and saw OG for the first time in person. I was just like, "Holy smokes, he's that guy's that big. calves were enormous." Yeah, and so at, at one point, I was walking down to the media room and I passed Justin Smith coming out to the court, and he is much taller and much bigger than I, you know, just kind of had, you know, proportioned out in my head. And I really thought watching the game. You saw a guy whose whose confidence is just growing so much, and maybe at times it was a little overconfident. I thought he probably, you know, late in the game, maybe yeah. took the ball off the dribble a couple times when there when there might have been a better opportunity. But, you know, despite having a couple opportunities down low that he didn't finish, he had a great dunk down the baseline. Um, you know, he had a, again, you know, a couple of those uh, opportunities where he, you know dribbled from outside the three point line all the way into the bucket. He did finish, and Juwan Morgan had an interesting quote in the post game where he said, "All season long, they've been calling Justin a practice dunker because he'll dunk on people in practice, but he never does it in the game." And last That's night being a he freshman. did it. That's yeah, being and, a freshman. You know, you mentioned how important you know the development of guys like him is to Juwan. You know, taking some pressure off of Juwan. And I just, I continue to, you know, look, we all thought Devontae Green was making big strides down the stretch. Those have fallen by the wayside three out of the last four games. But the biggest storyline, I think, over the past couple of weeks is that Justin Smith is really turning into a, a good, productive player. Has a lot of work to do on defense still, but you can see the seeds of a all-Big Ten level player. A guy who, you know, could be a, a, an early entrant candidate to the, you know, for the NBA. Like, all of that, you can start to see some of that. And so, uh, you know, Andy, I just thought watching him, it was obvious how much his confidence level has grown uh, just over the last couple of weeks. Well, I, I would totally agree. And I think the other thing, you know, you talked about some of those plays where he was trying to take uh, Jay Sean Tate off the dribble. I think they were trying to, I think that was more purposeful uh, in trying to get Tate to foul out, foul out of the game. I mean, he got his fourth foul with about five and a half minutes left. They uh, definitely were isolating. You could, you could see within the offense, they were isolating Justin Smith at the top yeah. of the key and spreading everybody else out of the lane to, to give him a one-on-one opportunity for sure. Yeah, so I mean, you know, nobody was really calling uh, you know, calling fouls too much down the, down the stretch there. But Tate was uh, you know, such a big part of what they were trying to do, even if he wasn't scoring. I was trying to look back while we were, when we were sitting here on you know, kind of what he, how many you know, points he scored or assisted on uh, down the stretch. But he was really a focal point uh, for them as they went through. He had a couple big assists in that first overtime. Um, and I think he scored a, a bucket or two in the in the second. So um, I, I think part of that was trying to isolate him. But that's uh, pretty you know pretty impressive to have that much confidence uh, in him uh, in those situations. And I thought he had certainly earned that trust and, and earned the right to make some of those plays. And yeah, there were a couple that he didn't finish strong. I was glad to see him throw one of those dunks down. I feel like he's tried to do those a few times where he just tries to uh, you know dunk on you know two people at once and, and comes up short. But uh, I, you know he's that's five games in a row with him with at least nine points. Um, shooting the ball really well from two-point range for the most part, over 50%. Uh, so I think that's a, a positive and something Off to be able to... Off the bench, too. He hasn't been starting, yeah. too. So. I mean, that was because that was one of the big edges in the game. And, and, you know, statistically was the bench scoring was like 32-4, to 36-4, to four, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he and Newkirk were big parts of that. But, uh, yeah, I think he continues to play well. Uh, probably see a lot of him in, uh, in Madison Square Garden, for sure. And you mentioned Zach McRoberts. Well, let me get in on Justin Smith real quick. You did I, discover him, so yeah, I mean, I did floor. definitely yeah. uh, watched lots of tape 
I know. It's, I'm just trying to help out anybody who's still out there playing uh, playing assembly called bingo. I know that kind of went by the wayside <laughs> early in the year, but um, no, I uh, I was sitting up there with I was sitting in the in the press area with uh, with Alex Bozich and Greg Doyle. I'm just dropping names. I'm, I'm trying to help people out if they're still playing. Um, and 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 there was one comment that Alex made that was that that. Uh, that was really, I mean, pointed. He said that you know, there's there's so there's a lot of nonchalance about Justin Smith, and he meant it in a negative way. Sometimes he goes to the hoop, kind of soft, and it's then you see one of those dunks, and you're like, dude, why are you ever not doing that? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like there's there's a strength to his game that's almost like he doesn't know he has, and and you know, last night he was seven of thirteen. About four of those were gimmies that he missed because he just went up soft and. Um, I just think again he's a freshman, so it's hard to be that hard on him. But that's something he's got to he's got to fix moving forward. He's got to go harder to the hoop because when he does, he's it's 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 a brilliant finish almost every time. But when he kind of lets himself be bullied a little bit, it, it's really it's disheartening because you know he's better than that. Um, but again, that's a freshman being a freshman, and and. and um, I just think that he played at times like a freshman last night, and then at times he played like a veteran, like a future All Big Ten guy, like you said. So yeah. uh, I think that there is, you know, some stuff in there worth, uh, you know, worth improving for next year. He's definitely gonna gonna need to work on some things. The other guy I want to talk about is Zach McRoberts. Yeah, sure. And I thought in many ways we kind of saw peak Zach McRoberts yesterday outside of the really bad turnover that he had at the end of regulation, which I'm going to talk about a little bit more uh, when we get to the meaningful moment that you might have missed. But uh, you mentioned the two three-pointers that he hit. Both of those were huge at the time. He also had eight rebounds, led the team in rebounding. And I thought defensively he was really good. You know, he played Kade Bates-Diop for a lot of the game, and Kade Bates-Diop is an outstanding player. And while he did have 24 points, uh, you know, and four assists and 14 rebounds, it was a very productive game. It wasn't a particularly efficient game for Keita. He was 9 of 24 from the field, 2 of 9 from downtown. And a lot of that was because Zach was just harassing him and playing as hard as he possibly could. Now, Keita Bates-Diop is a remarkable athlete, has incredible body control, and sometimes there's just only so much that Zach McRoberts right. can do. But I thought we really saw you know Zach play about as well as he could play, uh, in part because he didn't get in foul trouble. I mean, he's been plagued with foul trouble and has struggled to get in the flow of the game. Um, but I thought he was a really big factor uh, in Indiana, having a chance to win uh, that game down the stretch for the defense he played on a guy who is clearly head and shoulders above him athletically, Andy. Yeah, I thought he uh, he really relished um, trying to take him on. We, we were um, behind the Ohio State bench where my wife and I were sitting when uh, you know when, where the basket Ohio State was going to in the second half. And I think McRoberts at one point, I felt like he just kind of like licked his lips and he was just excited to go and play defense and do whatever. He was he was really into it uh, defensively and and really took pride in what he was able to do and. Yeah, he didn't get a foul until I think well into the second half. Uh, at some point, uh, even though he about got uh, trucked by Caleb Weston a couple times, but uh, apparently that's not a foul. Uh, using a human being as a bulldozer is totally fine. Um, and so he, I, I thought, played uh, you know one of his better games. Not just because he scored, and he certainly was looking to shoot a little bit more than he had been. I mean, the one three was like a step back three that he yep. hit. Um, that was the one I think that brought him within two with about six minutes left. Um, so I thought he played really well and confident. And so hopefully that's a good thing for him. But yeah, he was a big part of that lineup at the end of the first half where it was like, I'm like, who's going to score? And then him, Newkirk, and Al Durham proceeded to score, you know, 11 of the next 12 points for IU or something, something to that effect. Yeah. What I want to say about Zach though is he had he had three offensive rebounds. He also knocked free about three or four that wound up with other guys. So I mean he could have easily had 
you know, like 12 rebounds last night because he was just in the mix, you know, doing the tap back thing. And, and, um, and that's what you expect from him. I mean, you know, when he's playing peak Zach McRoberts, as you said, um, so yeah, I was impressed with his game. Uh, hopefully, we start to see more of that confidence finishing and shooting because he's really taken over since Colin Hartman's been injured. He's taken over what Colin Hartman was supposed to be for this team. He's got to add the shooting aspect, though. I mean, Colin Hartman's hitting like twenty five percent of his threes this yeah. year or something, and that's a guy we were expecting to be in the you know in the low forties. Yep. So um, hopefully, he can because I mean, his shot is fine. He just doesn't take it. You know, and and so uh, certainly something he needs to keep doing, and something he's definitely going to need to work on in the offseason. Coming up on the assembly call, I will point out last night's meaningful moment that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers and bring in some special guests as we go roundtable style here on the assembly call. That is next. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here: the next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear. Use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, Andy Bottoms, and some special guests we'll be bringing in here momentarily. Uh, and we are breaking down Indiana's 80-78 to loss to the Ohio State Buckeyes in the final regular season game of the season. And it is time now for last night's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And I, I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but it, it came at the end of regulation. And the game was tied at 63. And, and Indiana really, I thought, made a series of excellent plays on the defensive end that secured stops and gave themselves a chance to get the decisive bucket. Uh, and I think it really kind of shows the different mentality and defensive focus of this team and ability. Uh, you know, first I thought Josh Newkirk made just an outstanding hustle play uh, to tap a rebound to Robert Johnson on a missed shot by Ohio State. And Archie would then call a timeout. Uh, but then on the ensuing play, as I mentioned earlier, Zach McRoberts turned it over trying to make a pass inside to Juwan. It was almost like he was so focused on getting the pass into Juwan that he just lost sight of his own defender because he pretty much threw it right into his hands. Uh, but, you know, Ohio State would go down. A three-pointer of theirs just rolled out. Robert Johnson came down on the other end. His layup rolled out. And so now it's still 63-63, uh, 55 seconds to go. And I thought Indiana delivered one of their best defensive possessions of the season. Robert Johnson displayed just textbook defense on a backdoor cut by Ohio State, preventing a layup. And then Jawan Morgan played just really solid defense on Jay Sean Tate, who was determined to drive to the basket. And Jawan just held his ground, forced a miss, and Freddie McSwain grabbed the rebound. And this set up Robert Johnson's ISO at the top of the key, which, as we remember, ultimately fell short and forced overtime. But again, I just thought this sequence at the end of regulation was a sign of the culture change at IU. You're late in the game. You have to have stops. And Indiana came through with you know, the hustle to get the rebound and the fundamentally sound defense that gave the offense a chance. And you know, unfortunately, Andy, in this case, 
the offense just couldn't capitalize. But uh, and and you know overall the defensive efficiency numbers weren't as good. But there were segments like that when Indiana really needed to buckle down and get stops that now they can, and and that I think is a big sign of growth for the program. Yeah, it was interesting looking back that nobody scored the last two eighteen of regulation. Justin Smith hit those free throws tied at sixty three, and it yeah. it felt like he you know kind of lived and died with every every moment. And the one. Um, you had the McRoberts turnover, but I think right after that was the, uh, you know, the three pointer you talked about that, you know, went around the rim a time or two and then fell out. And it was, you know, that, that's one of those points where it's like, you know what, maybe, maybe things are going to work out for us in this scenario. <laughs> and, uh, and then Robert Johnson had a nice left-handed drive and, and left-handed layup and it did the exact same thing and, and rimmed out as well. Yeah. And then you're like, well, maybe not so much. So, um, but no, I mean, that was, that was big cause they had, uh, they struggled at times defensively um, in, in stretches, and they played really well in others. And um, it, you know, Ohio State's a little bit of a tough team. They've got you know Tate, who handles the ball a lot, not really a traditional uh, guard. They kind of played him at that position a little bit, um, really put the ball in his hands, trying to facilitate. Bates Diop is obviously a good player, uh, and Weston is you know kind of size that IU is going to struggle to deal with inside based on the personnel. So uh, I thought they did a nice job, uh, you know, down the stretch and in particular. And it felt like a lot of times, you know, like I said before, if somebody could have gotten a stop. And then, you know, strung together a couple baskets. Uh, they could have really taken control of the game. And I think IU did as good a job as Ohio State of not letting the other team do that. Um, so if they had an empty possession, they, they went down and were able to, to get a stop when they needed one. So uh, definitely bodes well um, as you think about that. And, you know, hopefully one of these go down and, and kind of get over the hump a little bit. But you had different guys contribute to those, uh, as you said, whether it was with defense, rebounding, um, a, a number of things down the stretch and just couldn't, couldn't get one to fall. Were there any other big stretches that stood out to you? No, not really. I mean, I talked a little bit about that stretch at the end of the first half. I thought that was a big one where um, they had really fallen behind, and uh, Ohio State's up 12 with 5.55 left in the first half, and they worked to tie it by halftime, and the last 11 points of the half were scored. I, I think I misspoke earlier. last 11 points of the half were scored by Al Durham, Josh Newkirk, and Freddie McSwain uh, in a really weird lineup. that Just that, like he game planned. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and, and quite honestly, they were able to rest Robert Johnson a little bit at that point because he ended up playing the entirety of the second half in both overtimes. Um, but he only played 13 minutes in the first half. Juwan had some foul trouble, so he wasn't really uh, as available during that stretch. So I thought those guys getting IU back in the game was a, was a huge turning point. The problem was they then didn't give it all back to start the second half, but they had a really slow start. Yeah, the they, beginning of the second half looked like the beginning of the first half for a few minutes. Yeah, mm-hmm. turned the ball over on the first possession of both halves, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and struggled in that regard, but th- those were really the ones for me when you uh, you kind of looked at it that way. Any other moments, Ryan? That I mean, it's a double overtime game. There's so many moments yeah. that, that you know one play goes here or there, and the game ends in regulation. You know, I mean, I got I have so many in my notes. It's almost hard to pick out. Yeah, know? I mean, it well, it, it is hard. They all string together, but I, I thought that that segment of the first half that Andy mentioned where they uh, they brought it back from about 12 points. Yep. And that was the key stretch of the game. I Started thought. by a Robert Johnson three, right? Yeah. It was 26-14, and I Robert think, hit the three to I make it 26-17. So. Um, but, you know, at that point, it was looking like they just were getting nothing on offense. And, uh, you know, it, every time they would close it to seven, it'd go back to nine, or close it to five, it'd go back to, nine, to seven. You know, and um, so it just felt like uh, Ohio State was keeping Indiana at arm's length. And, and uh, then they they sort of were able to break through, and with an odd lineup on the floor, were able to, you know, sort of change things and uh, and and get, uh, you know, just get things going, and 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 it, that was impressive. And then it sort of set the tone for the second half. Although they did come out slowly in the second half, that it was sort of they had the attitude we can play with these guys and we can get what we want uh, offensively. So uh, I thought that was the key stretch in the game, and then obviously 
I mean, the overtimes were <laughs> as key as it's going to get. You know, I mean, there's no, every there's no play was, about that. Every play it was, was so tense, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had one other moment that I apparently just tried to choke and put away deep down. Um, but uh, toward the end of the second <laughs> overtime, uh, Justin Smith had made a layup, and that was one of those times where he he t- was able to take Jason Tate, put IU up by one. Uh, Bates Diop misses a three. Robert Johnson goes up and gets a rebound. Oh, and just yes. kind of got his feet tangled up with somebody, went down, got called for traveling. Yeah, so that was yeah. one of those stretches where. That would have been the first time anybody had really been able to do that. IU was scoring fairly well at that point. Ohio State gets the ball back. They had run the shot clock down um, before he took that three, and then they ended up getting a, a layup from Bates Diop right after that once they got the ball back from that. Yeah, that and so they go killer. back up one, and, and that set up, um, you know, Juwan eventually winning the – or what we what we hoped would be, you know, winning the game. But that was a case where if IU can go down and get a bucket again there after that, they're up three, put a little bit of pressure on Ohio State with, with what would have been probably less than a minute left. IU would have run some clock at that point. There was a minute, 16 seconds left when that happened. So uh, that that's another one that I probably didn't want to think about. But when uh, you look at the time that that came and it was really that one chance I said where nobody could, could blow it up, not, not even blow it open. Three-point lead felt would have felt like blowing it open, unfortunately. But Yeah, that, in that yeah. overtime, that would have been a uh, inter- felt like an insurmountable lead. Sometimes I hate this segment. We have <laughs> yeah. to relive some of these moments that we see in a, in a year where you're winning games. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah. But this has been a rough one. Well, one other one that I found quite entertaining. It's one of those things that you only really get when you're at the game. Uh, Juwan missed two free throws in a row. I think it was in the second half. And I, I was I was looking at Archie, and he was he was sitting on the bench, and he just dropped his head, almost just in bewilderment. Like, how do we keep missing these free throws? Yeah. And it was he was kind of channeling the whole fan base at that point. I Archie and I are on the same level, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, he's just like us. It is uh, it is time now to go inside the numbers, and then we're going to bring in uh, some of our special guests here. Uh, and so we can kind of roll through this pretty quickly here, uh, guys. You know, the two that jump out. We already talked about the big one, eight for fifteen from the line uh, in regulation. You've got seven opportunities right there to get one more point that is going to win you the game. I mean, you know, it's pretty simple right there. Uh, but the other one is... Well, I think if you're going to mention that, though, you got to mention, again, Morgan 5-12. I mean, that's well, I that's that's as big as it gets right there. Because he's your main guy, and he's going to be going to the line. He's got to make those shots. We've mentioned four times now. How bad hey, you know what? It's worth mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Andy, one stat that we've been tracking a lot is the assist rate. And the assist rate has been, it's an important number for this team, a team that doesn't have a lot of guys really individually gifted offensively and kind of shows what they're able to get out of the offense. And when Devontae doesn't play well, this is a number that is often down in the 30s, you know, which is not good. And when he does play well, it can be in the high 50s and the 60s. Well, he didn't play well yesterday, but Indiana was still able to have an assist rate of 55.2%. They had 16 assists on 29 made field goals. And a lot of credit for that goes to Josh Newkirk, who, again, came in, had six assists in 36 minutes. For a guy whose numbers have been up and down and his role has kind of been up and down and really just depends on what Devontae shows up, for him to have the maturity, I think, and the kind of mental toughness to come out and be ready to play like he was um, and give Indiana you know, some solid play in the half court out of that lead guard spot, uh, I thought was a good thing um, and gave him a chance. Um, so assist rate of 55.2%. Not great, but good enough considering that they got you know not very much at all from Devontae Green. Yeah, and Ohio State, I think they came in uh, the top top team in, in conference play in defensive efficiency, and they, they you know they make everything hard on you. I think Ryan, you mentioned that earlier, and and IU has a way this year offensively of making things hard on themselves too. So they don't really need any help from uh, from anybody else. And I think when you don't have a lot of guys who can create their own shot, as you mentioned, uh, Devontae being one of the only ones. Um, uh, you know, I think that was uh, was obviously important for for Josh to step up and play the way that he did. So uh, that one stood out to me. You know, a couple others. You know, we I feel like we've we've tracked some of these as, uh, as kind of a proxy for defensive uh, effort, activity, whatever you want to say. 
And, uh, you know, we kind of look at the contrast. Ohio State had eight blocks and nine steals. IU had three blocks and seven steals. So, you know, you total those up, it's 17 to 10. Um, you have that there. And I thought it, for a lot of the game, Ohio State was the one getting to loose balls and, and some of those kinds of things. There were some long rebounds that they were able to run down that IU wasn't able to get. And some of them just, like, slipped through our fingers. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so there are a few weird ones like that. So I thought I, Ohio State was really active. But you look at some of the other stuff, points off turnovers was almost dead even. Second chance points was almost dead even. Um, so you look at those. So, you know, the, not a ton, you know, outside of the obvious being the free throw shooting, there wasn't a ton statistically that really stood out. Um yeah, other thing for IU, two-point shooting has been a big big deal for them. Part of this was Ohio State's blocks, but IU shot 40, uh, 45% on twos and 44% on threes, which is uh, it's certainly not the norm for this team. So that was one where you know some of that speaks to being able to convert around the basket. There were some – that assist rate number could have been higher yeah. uh, in some of those if they'd been able to finish a couple right up by the hoop. Ryan, any, uh, any numbers jump out to you? You know, for playing 50 minutes um – I had 12 turnovers. I thought that was that was pretty decent. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, 16.9 percentage. Yeah, I, I, I just and I didn't feel like they were giving the ball away. I mean, there are times with this team where you feel like they're, you know, especially the other night, um, you felt like they were just giving the ball away. And and, Justin and, had a bad one, you know, where he just kind of like fumbled the ball away, and Zach's was bad, but otherwise, yeah, yeah. I mean, most of them were 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 fine. Um, and then yeah, I think that the, you know, you mentioned the rebounding, but the offensive giving up 14 offensive rebounds, you can't do that. I don't care if it's a 50 minute game, you you can't do that so um yeah i those those are the only ones that really stood out to me i thought ohio state did a really nice job uh as you said being active uh offensively on the glass and then defensively you know getting eight blocks is you know you're hustling if you're getting eight blocks so i would give them some credit for that um and then indiana you know as as, as andy said just not converting on twos i mean some of those were um some of those were you know easy misses some of those were well defended misses but uh, there you know if if Justin Smith and Jawan Morgan make some more of those bunnies you, that that number's a lot higher so mm-hmm. uh, something they definitely need to work on yeah all right well let's uh let's have some fun here and open things up we're you know obviously this is kind of our main assembly call crew but we've been really fortunate this season uh to have a lot of, of great people you know co-host and, and guest host and fill in uh galen clavio the coach brian tonsoni and zach McCright, and we're all here this is the fun part of uh of coming to bloomington and, and being able to hang out as we can kind of get everybody in the same room so let's get everybody else's perspectives and, and galen let's start with you and you had your own little uh, podcast reunion yesterday, right? Wasn't Scott down for the game? Yeah, you know we get Scott down every once in a <laughs> while. We we had a nice little meal at Nick's before the game, so yeah, it was it was good. And and uh, you know I, I've actually we've watched a couple of games together so far this year, yeah, the, and both of them were losses. Actually, the Duke game was the other one, no. so we're not allowed to sit together maybe, anymore. No, maybe not. No longer. No. <laughs> so so, what were your general impressions from yesterday's game? I mean, I think the big thing I took away from the game was. At the end of the day, this team just has a lot of structural flaws to it. And, I mean, the 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 thing that was irritating, I guess, early on was that they just didn't seem to be into it that much. And they got down by, you know, a pretty decent margin. And then, to their credit, they came back. They, they put that great run on before the end of the first half. But uh, it... It just it was it's a pattern that we've seen kind of on and off with this team where there just seem to be moments where the moment overwhelms them a bit, and even though they were able to fight through it and get to the end, you you wonder kind of like you mentioned with free throws earlier, you know one or two of those baskets or one of the two of those possessions offensively where you know it is an executed possession as opposed to being a wasted one, does that make a difference in these close games and. You know, look, Ohio State's a very good team. They've got very good players. Uh, you know, I think that certainly they've overachieved a little bit this year, but they're 
their overall ability level is is certainly a top three team in the conference. And I don't think Indiana's as close. So they deserve a lot of credit. Archie Miller deserves a lot of credit for getting them as close as they came, you know, in this game, in the Michigan State game, in the Purdue game. It's it's always gonna have been frustrating this year because you're always gonna feel like something was left on the table with all of that. But, you know, it, it look sad obviously to see Robert Johnson uh, you know, lose his last game in Assembly Hall. I felt like he deserved better than that. Uh, I was proud of the guys. I was proud of the way they played. They should have, I think you mentioned this, Jared, they should have won the game. I mean, you know, 95% of the time, maybe even more than that, that's a winning play. And I still haven't seen the shot, by the way. I, All I could see was it going it, in. It took, I me, it took me uh, two glasses of wine and <laughs> not gonna three hours it. afterwards before I finally was able to look at it. I and, was at the Nick Anderson game, and it's burned in my memory. Well, and I just don't want, and, I don't want another one. I'll, the, I'll let you know what it takes for me to watch it, because I haven't watched it either. This one reminded me, actually, of uh, the Jerron Cornell shot uh, oh. in, in 98. The, you know, just Because that one, I was at that game. It happened right in front of me, and it was the same sort of feeling. Like You can't even be mad to some degree because it was it was a shot that I, i'm fine with them taking yeah because, it's not a breakdown or yeah, anything. he yeah, just made the shot yeah, i mean you know it would, i mean maybe nuker could have gotten a little closer maybe somebody else could have run but he had to shooter. protect against a drive because right. they're only up one you and know the idea that that that's the shot you give up for the win i think you you have to be like well it sucks that it went in, but we'll live with that because a, sometimes they're just going to hit those. From my vantage yeah. point, I had a pretty good angle on it, and Jackson did not want to be shooting that shot. You could tell. He was looking to pass. Nobody was open. Yeah. And then he went up, and it almost looked like he kind of lost it a little bit and then shot I mean, it's exactly what you want, you know, a rushed shot late where it's not an assist. It's a guy driving up and just, and just you know, jacking a shot up. And that's what you want. And, yeah. and they got what they wanted. It just happened to go in. And it's just, it's sort of like, that was the microcosm for the whole season for me. It was just sort of like, you do some really good work, but it's not enough, you know? And, and that sort of feels like that's what this whole season has been. There's been really good work and really good changes going on. And, and a lot of patterns developed that we can be positive about. And then, but it's just not enough for this team. And, and ultimately, I mean, I, I look at the positives of, you know, you got, you know, really remarkable play out of Zach McRoberts, you know, throughout most of the second half of the season. And nobody would have guessed that at the beginning of sure. the year. Freddie Freddie, McSwain. Freddie, I was going to say Freddie McSwain, you know, did his Todd Lindemann morph, uh, you know, during the second half of this year. And no one expected that, uh, you know, and, and it was a shame because to me, it was obvious uh, Colin Hartman just didn't have it from a, a physical health perspective. I think Josh Newkirk was bothered as well. It looked like he was never himself the whole season. Uh, you know, just just a lot of little structural flaws that added up to a team that that certainly had the will to keep themselves in games and certainly had the defensive ability by the end to to play with anybody, but against the teams that could execute, they just weren't able to pull it off. And you know, that's it's a shame that there wasn't like that one signature win at home. I mean, I guess the signature win at home now is you know what the the Maryland game. Uh, that's that's and that's about where Indiana's at. I mean, you know, there's yeah. they're they're a mid-pack team in the conference. I just think, given where they started the conference season out, I'm fine with them being a mid-pack team because I think there were a lot of people, myself included, that were like, this might be like, you know, might be playing on Wednesday in the Big Ten tournament sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think when you when you look at some of Archie's comments, even you know before he introduced his seniors last night, I think it speaks to a little bit of that as well. You know, where he talked about, you know, hopefully. You know, these guys will be able to look back and they won't have had the success a season that they probably wanted to. And that, you know, when you kind of look individually at how guys have improved and collectively how the team has improved in certain areas, it doesn't feel like at the end of the day you have a whole lot to show for it. And I think he alluded to that pretty well and said, you know, but, 
you, we're going to look back when this program is where you know we want it to be uh, and where it needs to be as these guys really kind of lay in that foundation for that. And I think cool. that's the thing that's been missing a little bit in some of these other years where you look at other teams who kind of pass this foundational leadership and and, and the ways that, that people want to do things on down the line. And I think these guys did a, uh, a really good job of doing that. And I think if you look at what, you know, Archie, the system, the assistance, whatever you want to credit to it, what he was able to unlock in some of these guys over the course of the season, it's hard not to step back and feel positive about it, even though in the aftermath of a heartbreaking loss, it just, it's, it's, that's not, it's not to easy about. to focus on yeah. that. So that's probably, it may be a good thing while we, while we waited, you know, an extra 12 hours a show to do the, uh, <laughs> to do the show and kind of get some different perspective that way. Yeah. I, one thing I wanted to say real quick was just the, yeah, I mean, I know always, right, Jared, Jared's over there laughing. Cause I, I mean, at least, at least we're close now. You can just unplug his microphone. <laughs> Seriously. By the way, this is the first time we've ever recorded a show together, <laughs> by the I way. Know. First time ever it we've is. recorded a show with the three of us together. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say is the one thing you have to be positive, and I promise to be quick, Jared. The one thing you have to be positive about is that those you look at those seniors, they're all better now than they were in week one. And 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 when you extrapolate that out with the young guys, you know these guys are going to get better because this staff has done an excellent job making these guys. They may not have, have, have risen to the levels that we wanted them to, but they're better now than they were in week one, and they're more well-rounded players too, and, and they're more reliable for the most part. Um, so I think that you look at that, and then you look at the future, and it's hard, again, in the wake of a loss like that to think about the future, but you look at the future and look what this staff has done with these guys. What are they going to do when they start getting better talent in mm-hmm. and and specifically with next year's recruiting class so i think that's that's a huge deal for these guys moving forward one more question for you galen uh, of all uh, talking speaking about the guys who are going to be here next year what do you think is the most important thing that we've learned uh, over these last maybe three or four weeks about the guys who are going to be back next year that we expect to be important parts of the team i think we've learned that um justin smith is the real deal and you know, barring a major setback in his development or or something that that we just seems unforeseen at this point, that's a guy that you're going to be able to rely on. You know, maybe to step in as a day one starter, and certainly a guy who's going to be giving you major minutes and and gives you a kind of a versatility athletically that is so crucial in today's game of basketball. Uh, you know, I, I think we also learned that you're going to have Zach McRoberts around to to provide, you know, very, very important defensive work and, and maybe even a little bit of offense. I mean, he's gotten a little more confident in his shot as time goes by. He's no longer, you know, just a, 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 a place where you can't throw the ball if you need a shot taken. Like, they have to take him a little more seriously. Uh, and I think that that's going to be important. I do also think, though, maybe on a slightly less positive note, if if there's anything that we learned in the last couple of games, it's that, the Devonte Green reclamation project is is not complete. Uh, I mean, he couldn't stay on the floor last night no, in, in the Ohio State game, it. and and it was the same thing in the Nebraska game. And you know, as much progress as he made, and and as well as he played in that Iowa game, he's just not there. Uh, and and it's tough to trust him in in really like high pressure situations against teams that have good guards. And so, yeah. you know, I think that certainly you'll you'll have freshman who will come in next year and will be able to compete for that spot and hopefully an off season of development and conditioning and, and just kind of getting his head wrapped around playing basketball at this level, you'll see Devontae Green continue to develop. I'd love to see him come in and just be a guy you can count on to, to start sure. from the beginning, but we're not there yet. And then that was really the, the one, if I had a really big disappointment from yesterday, it was that you couldn't keep him on the floor when you really needed him there. Yeah. All right. So let's bring in the coach, Brian Tonsoni here. And I want to get 
your perspective on Devontae, uh, and I'm going to put you in a bit of an unfair position because I know that there are a lot of a lot of unknowns that you don't know behind the scenes. But you know, as a coach, when you look at a guy like Devontae, who has so much talent, so much ability, and now we've actually seen it happen for a semi-sustained period of time. I and mean, he had four or five, you know, pretty decent games there. And he even had Archie Miller kind of talking about in, in post-game press conferences the difference and how he really found a humility and, and all of these different things. But now we've seen a backslide. So as you but we know how important he is. I mean, if this team is going to do anything in the Big Ten tournament, they've got to get good play out of Devontae Green. What do you do, you know, between now and the Big Ten tournament and even on a more macro level into the offseason to try, as he becomes an upperclassman, to unlock more of the good Devontae and subdue more of the bad? Yeah, po- potential is a dangerous word, right? And until it's really realized. And then how do you define realized? Is it five games in a row, six games in a row, yeah. not having the ups and downs? Uh, it's a matter of trust. And, and again, I was coaching last night, so I only caught the overtimes. So I didn't see his play. It's it's a lot of what you expect. Yeah, I mean, so I can I can picture. Yeah. Um, we've seen it games before. And, and you have to trust your process and practice, uh, film study. And then you throw them out there and you, you say, you're going to play my way. If I see you not playing my way, then you're going to sit. And it sounds like he did that last night. And that's just what you have to do. And unfortunately, then that hurts depth-wise. Yeah. And um, but you, you just got to believe in practice and, and repetitions, repetitions and add some some other conversations with the young man. And then you got to watch him closely when you put him out there that first time. <laughs> a guy like Juwan Morgan, uh, you know, free throws have been such a big bugaboo for him this year. And it, as, as we've mentioned, it does seem mental because he's got a good stroke. He's a pretty good shooter and he just can't make them. What would you do uh, to try and, and, and help him get that? that issue corrected or is that something that that maybe there's not a whole lot of coach can do and a guy with his level of maturity in the program just has to figure this out yeah I, I think um Ryan touched a little bit on it the fatigue factor is hard to coach out of someone mm-hmm. and and a free throw is not a normal shot you're you're sitting there there's no one in front of you and it can be, it should be an easier shot, but at times it can be difficult. And there's all kinds of ways to practice it and, and try to rep game speed, game type of, of stuff. But it's mental. Uh, and, and you're talking to a guy who we, we were six of 17 the last two games in, in high school. So, uh, you know, that cost us a game against uh, Central Catholic. And you know how that is from uh. Lafayette. So uh, you practice, but he, he's hitting threes better now. So it's not his form. It's not uh, anything with technique. It's just a matter of catching his breath, concentrating, and being uh, focused in. And, and some, I think it's more mental than anything else yeah. at, at this point. A, a wishing it goes in instead of just, I'm going to make it. And then something is off a little bit and he's missing. So we've talked a lot about how difficult it has been for you know the transition for Indiana, you know guys learning a new system and and, and everything that's gone into that. What do you think would be the biggest difference? Uh, you know now that Archie will have kind of a full off season, he'll have some of his own recruits in there, and you know it's not teaching the defense from scratch. And maybe they can. It doesn't need to be seventy five twenty five defense to offense. Uh, what do you think would be kind of the biggest difference from Archie's perspective as a coach now heading into his first you know off season whenever that happens? Um, and, and what do you think will be kind of the biggest difference we'll see just from the team next year? Yeah, I, I think you'll see the progression we made this year, you'll see it faster uh, because the returning guys have been through it before. And so 
when Archie identifies postseason and early next season areas that need to be improved, uh, hopefully it, it's not that whack-a-mole thing where you have to go back and fix something and then something else breaks and you fix that and the, and the old thing rears its ugly head. But maybe some of that's been cleaned up mm -hmm. and you don't have to do as much of that. The interesting thing would be to see how quick the freshmen can adapt. And we've seen the freshmen play early here this year and then go on that swoon and now come back. Uh, we are all happy about the incoming freshmen. It's a great class, but they are still freshmen. And then I, I think the the big tell for me is how is all of that going to mesh into playing a, a hopefully a pretty tough non-conference schedule or de decent non-conference schedule and then Big Ten play. But the easier thing is it's his type of players that yeah. he's bringing in that he wants in uh, from an athletic standpoint, size standpoint, all of those things. So maybe that learning curve is a lot easier than – retraining after being with a, another coach for three years yeah so you mentioned some of the incoming players and we have zach mccright here with us as well are you prepared to report where romeo langford <laughs> is going to commit <laughs> it's always the first question it's always the first question well after that Andy can tell us what indiana needs to do to make the tournament without winning the big 10 tournament so uh, actually i was just i was i had that in my notes here like where is iu in bracketology i know that's the question everybody's asking andy these days I well, I'm going to cede the floor on that one to the person uh, who has uh, scored better than I have the last two years. Oh, so true. I'll let Brian handle that. So this is great. Glad to have you here, Brian. I'm glad yeah, I thanks, can, Andy. Yeah, glad yeah, I can yeah. deflect these questions that I'm we tired of answering. We get two perspectives. So. We can get two perspectives. <laughs> um, no, as far as Romeo's concerned, I really I, – I don't know. Um, I, you know, I, the more I'm around him, the more – you call, You've called 12 I call, Romeo games Yeah, this year? I think 12 or, 12 or 13, somewhere around there. Uh, we – we call um, games for four different high schools in the market, and uh, and and New Albany obviously is kind of top billing preferential on, treatment on those this, this year for sure. It, <laughs> it, it changes from year to year, but this is one of those years where all of our teams that we're covering are really really good, and and they're three of the top six teams in the state. So and they're all playing the same sectional coming up this week. Oh my! Um, but uh, Romeo has been obviously still uh, top of them all in terms of talent, and. Um, Every time we do a game, there is always more feel good, for sure, coming from the camp that you know that that it's going to be Indiana, and I I don't have, and I know the the IU faithful and and the and the uh, the Romeo is definitely going to IU crowd um, will will scoff at the remark I'm about to make, but the only thing that's really keeping me from buying all in that he's going there is that I would have assumed he would have already committed prior to the season beginning or, or during the season, if he didn't know enough about Archie. I mean, I feel like at this point he knows everything he needs to know about Archie. And if you're going, if you know, you're going to Indiana, wouldn't you love to have what amounts to a, a farewell to high school tour when you go to every high school in the state of Indiana, every road game in the state of Indiana, um, no, with all these people already knowing that you're going to Bloomington. I mean, if they're not slobbering over him already, that would have, that would have totally done it. Now, and so I always wonder why, why not that move to just get it out of the way and, and get it done. Maybe he didn't want to upset the seven Purdue fans in Southern Indiana. <laughs> there are, uh, there, yeah, r roughly five to nine, <laughs> roughly. Uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's basically the only thing that's keeping me from going all in. Cause everything I hear is, is, um, is really positive about, about Bloomington right now. And it's nice that he gets apparently that, uh, that he being Archie, Archie gets the last chance to, mm -hmm. to sell. It sounds like, uh, sounds like Romeo's going to 
head back up there one more time, and that's going to be the, uh, the the last visit for Romeo, so we shall see. So you and I were standing down on the court yesterday for the senior speeches. Uh, Robert Johnson's was, you know, you said you don't have a list yet, but if you had a list, it would be on it. Sure. I, I agree. I mean, I just thought the emotion, the rawness, I felt like he was – it, it's like he didn't expect to get that much love from the fans. Like the look on his face when he kind of stopped and he started and he stopped and he started again. I think it, it kind of... Kept on making eyes with bottoms over yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> Saw Andy up in the stands. But what were, your, what were your general takeaways, you know, from that? Just, you know, kind of seeing Archie, you know, in kind of his raw post-game form and he came out there. Usually, you know, the coach has a bit more of a festive look on his face, but Archie... I mean, he for about the first you know two minutes, he was just he had this stone cold look on his face. It's almost like he had to work himself up to you know addressing the crowd and, and not being so upset about that loss, which makes sense. That's kind of how we all felt. But what were your general feelings? I mean, being up close, seeing the guys talk. Yeah, Archie's very. Um, uh, I, I don't want to say robotic, although that's the first word that comes to mind. But um, he seems very emotionless uh, uh, so far in, in this campaign from a. Uh, from a, uh, a a non-competitive standpoint, if that makes sense, Very stoic. He he is stoic. So for him to even get in front of the microphone, honestly, was uh, kind of surprising to me. Um, you know, those seniors were put obviously in a tough spot, and we're and, and we're not breaking any ground there. Um, just having to deal with a, a coaching transition in their final year of college uh, can't be easy for sure. And I'm sure it wasn't easy for Archie. Um, but that being said, it. it it seemed of all the five seniors, and and no offense to the other four, that Robert certainly seemed most most appreciative of the of the transition and and maybe how tough it was not only for him and his senior teammates and maybe all of his teammates, but also for for Archie. And I I, I think that was something that I really held on to. It, uh, it maybe over better overall stated. Robert seems so much more unselfish than the regular 22 year old mm -hmm. he was uh v you could tell that the gratitude was not just hey man you know i'm, I'm holding my microphone up to my mouth those people listening on podcast like hey man uh thanks a lot for you know i appreciate the, the, the band and i appreciate the you know the managers i mean he was certainly like really really grateful mm -hmm. and uh you know tears coming down when talking about his family and uh and 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 with the uh and with the coaching staff as well, just very, very emotional about it all. And, and uh, you could tell how much the program meant to him. And I know IU fans dig that, as they should. I thought one of the comments he made that was, was really good was uh, it was something to the effect of uh, when he talked about coach, calling Coach Archie instead of Coach yeah, Miller. Coach Archie. But that was funny. But then he said, you know, these guys could have, you know, kind of said this season, what happened this season didn't matter. We weren't their guys, all those kinds of things. And he's like, if anyone would come to any of our practices, you'd, you'd have known that it mattered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I thought that was cool. And I, and I thought it was also cool that, that he acknowledges that was important to him and it meant a lot to him. Um, and, and I think, you know, if you kind of project that forward, it meant a lot to everybody. Mm -hmm. I, and, and, you know, I don't know how much we talked about this in the non-conference, but could you imagine how tough it could have been and maybe was when you've got this new coaching staff in place, and we can all talk about this post-mortem now uh, with a little bit more insight, but you lost to Fort Wayne. You lost to Indiana State, both on your home floor, got blown out. Mm. How tough is it to buy in to a brand-new coach when you're six or eight games in and getting blown out at home by in-state opponents? That cannot be easy. 
and I, I and I don't know if they they were bought in the whole time, but at some at some point or another, one of those seniors, I'm sure, if not multiple, um, you know, just said screw it. You know, we're 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 in, we're all in, and that I think that is super super commendable and and something that probably will linger on to other classes. Uh, it will filter down to other classes as uh, the the Archie Miller part of the program rolls on. I think part of that is because Archie Miller is the best kind of salesman. He's not the you know fast talking. I'm going to BS you type, but he speaks matter of factly. He's got a plan, and you believe it when he says it. Like that was my biggest takeaway from the speeches when he got up there and said, you know, they're going to come back, and this building is going to be you know the toughest place to play, and we're going to have it going. Which you know that's a Kind of a ballsy thing to say when you're 16 sure. and 14 and you've lost the games that you've said at home, but you listened to him say it and you believed it, you know, because there's just a, a matter of factness and a belief in, for, for, you know, from him that he's projecting. And I think that had to help get them through some of those early losses where they could just see, hey, you know, this guy, he's, he's saying it one thing, but I see that he's got a plan. You know, and, and and there is some small incremental progress being made, even if you can't see it. And the other thing about Robert is you have been able to tell from day one Archie's affection for Robert Johnson. I oh, mean, yeah. Through all of his ups and downs, you know, scoring zero points in games and, and struggling, he has been so steadfast in how committed Robert's been, how hard he's worked, Wants how much to of shoot a tone, it. yeah, how much of a tone he set defensively. And I thought you could really see that. Like they had a very warm embrace and there was just there was almost something different just about the there way was. he interacted with Robert than the other guys, um, which makes total sense when, if you've really been watching how he's talked about him all and, season long. And to piggyback off your Archie comment, you know, I, I know there are some IU fans out there that get frustrated with um, the lack of public character, maybe, uh, for lack of a better phrase, that Archie has. You know what I mean? But, but what, what he lacks in that, uh, you know, he he may not have the 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 flamboyance of a Calipari or or a, a Rick Pitino or IP, but uh, <laughs> it, but but um, what he lacks in that he makes up for in in kind of that like you said that matter of factness that that confidence level um, maybe maybe to another man face to face it might not come across in front of a microphone. But it certainly comes across. He's genuine. Yeah, it certainly comes across. And each when style, talks to the if a good coach is genuine, whatever his style is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't need Archie hosting Hoosier hysteria. You know, like that's right. We need we need to win right. games. So. I don't think he's going to be coming in in a motorcycle <laughs> yeah. or anything like that. Anytime, <laughs> Parachuting so. down. That's right. Or, yeah. Um, all right. Well, this was great, guys. I'm glad we were, we were able to get your perspectives before we get you off the mic, though. As you know, we always end the shows giving out our game balls. So let's bring this back to IU Ohio State. We'll give our game balls, and then Andy and Ryan, you guys come back. We'll get your game balls and do our final thoughts and wrap this up. Because Galen, you've been incredibly generous with your time, and we don't want to we don't want to take any more of it. So let's your game ball from Indy. I know you didn't get to see a ton of it, but your game ball from IU Ohio State. Well, I'm just going to give it – since I didn't see the game, I don't think it's fair to give it to one person. But I'll just give it to the whole team. In order to play top-quality opponents close in the first year with some injuries, uh, this this team is playing its best at the end of the year. And, and so a game ball goes out to uh, the buy-in. Uh, it could have been uh, shut down you know, eight, nine games ago, and it didn't. And the brand of basketball we're watching, while it's not winning and it's disappointing – uh, it, it isn't an ugly watch. It's a, it's a fun watch, and that's a credit to the young men in the program and the coaching staff as well because a transition year could, could kind of blow up at any point, and, and it didn't. And so that, that's something that, that I'm proud of 
uh, of this of this team. So my game ball goes to everyone for just hanging in there and, and fighting and what I imagine will be a good tournament uh, appearance as well as long as it can last. Yep. Zach, game ball? I'm going to go, I guess, a little off the board and give it to Zach McRoberts. Um, I, I know he doesn't do anything, uh, you know, special offensively, but, you know, he's given a lot of tough defensive assignments, you know, and yeah. um, and and it always seems that um, at the very least, he, he is bothersome to one of the best offensive players on the opposing team, and I feel like he doesn't get quite enough credit for it. Like, we – we kind of went on this in the midseason. We kind of went on this, you know, this Mick Bob love fest, uh, and rightfully so. Um, but um, just on a day in day out basis, his hard work, and I know Archie mentioned in the post game, is just is just something that um, should not go looked over. And uh, and he was, uh, you know, he he played if I'm not mistaken, like 43 minutes. I mean, mm-hmm. the, you know, more than a game. Could you could you have imagined in the final game of the regular season going toe to toe with a top twenty team in the country and going uh, uh, past regulation and Zach McRoberts would have played forty plus minutes that I don't think I would have. Um, so you know, while he's not the the offensive star of this team, I'm going to give him my game ball for sure. Galen. Zach McRoberts is a really good choice, but uh, I'll go a little. I don't want to take your guys' ones because I know you've probably got somebody set up already on it. But uh, I'll go with Justin Smith. I mean, thirty-seven minutes for uh, you know a freshman, sixteen points, and really, I felt like emotionally kept IU in the game uh, during that stretch of the second half where he just was just seemed to be everywhere. Uh, and you know that to to come up big in a a senior night game when you know, your, your other players on the team are struggling from the field. Uh, you know, what he gave the team I thought was was really, really good, was really, really necessary, and as we mentioned earlier, really makes you look forward to the future. So, yeah, Justin Smith with mine for the game. Yep. Ryan? Uh, that's, that's, this is a tough one. Because and, the, and don't take Andy's. Don't be that guy. We know where we, Andy's we've going said, with this game we've ball, said, and we need to – We've said all year that you, we, more than one of us can take the same person. So it's not, it's not a draft, right. especially uh, we got six people here. We're going to run out of guys yeah, who actually. I mean, somebody's going to be taking Priller at the end of this thing. Uh, I'm going to give it to Josh Newkirk. I, you know, he he played 36 minutes, one turnover. Uh, he had the nine points, six assists, a rebound, hit a three, three of six from the field. He put a move in in the second half. He put a move on. I don't remember who was oh, defending yeah. him. And just that I mean, was beautiful. It was, everybody, it was just kind. Of looking at each other like did he just do that you know i mean it was a, it was just a beautiful little drive and, and moving i think that was part of the maddening thing about josh newker because you know at times he flashed this ability to be that guy and then but you didn't get it consistently and and i think that uh look i have to give that guy credit though for stepping up on his senior night playing really well um and, and you know he battled all night and you know he was defending uh C.J. Jackson when he made that three at the end, and yeah. he played about as well as you can play it, that that possession. As we said, that's the shot you wanted them to take, and and yeah. um, so I look, I, I give I give Newkirk credit. Uh, he's a guy who's had a rough go at Indiana, and he stuck with it, and he never stopped. Uh, you know, plugging away, never stopped playing hard. He has played hard every minute he's been on the floor at Indiana for uh, for the most part, and. Uh, 
the effort was never the problem with him. So I, I appreciate that and, uh, and really enjoyed seeing him play well on his senior night. I thought it was, it was really good for everybody to see that. I'm going to give mine to Juwan Morgan. You know, sometimes players reach a level of expectation and consistent production that they can have a really good game against a really good team and you only focus on the things that they did wrong. You know, sometimes this happened with Yogi. We've mentioned this a few times where you take for granted the production and you, and you kind of focus on the things that went wrong and the 5 of 12 from the free throw line, the four turnovers weren't good. We've mentioned that. But uh, again, I, I really thought Juwan got back to doing Juwan Morgan things that we haven't seen the last couple games. I thought, you know, his, his he just looked to have more of that spring, more of that bounce, a little more hop in his step. Uh, and that led to three steals and two blocks. You know, when he's playing well, He's getting steals. He's getting blocks. You know, he rebounded. He had four offensive rebounds and three assists. So it's easy to look at the things that he did wrong. Uh, but I think that may come, uh, you know, at the expense of the fact that he led Indiana in scoring. And when they absolutely had to have that bucket there late in the game, they went to him and he delivered as he did uh, on many occasions in the game. So uh, my game ball goes to Juwan Morgan. And with that, we go over to Andy Bottoms for the most he's obvious. Gonna go with, he's going to go with Freddie McSwain. Yeah, in a, <laughs> the most obvious game ball in, in assembly a stunning, call history. In a stunning turn of events, <laughs> I have chosen to go with no. Um, no, I, I, obviously I would go with Robert Johnson. Uh, I, I wouldn't do it if he didn't also play well in the game. Um, to maintain your game but ball I think integrity. The, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly. <laughs> um, but but I think when you look kind of at, at the entirety of his night, it was kind of a, a culmination of his career in a lot of ways. And um, he has talked about just how, how much the, the response from the crowd meant to him and the ovation that he got compared to the other guys, the way that he, um, the way that he you know, handled his senior speech. And, you know, you could tell they were all disappointed walking out there. And, and it was really hard to kind of refocus and do that. But – Maybe he had the benefit of having everybody else go before him and having a little bit more time. Um, but I thought the way that he ended up kind of composing himself and still being able to um, turn it into a, a positive moment for himself uh, and, and a chance to say thank you to the people that he wanted to say thank you to was, was really cool. And on the court, um, you know, he continues to just play a ton of minutes. Uh, I'm looking right now. He's ranked sixth in the, in the Big Ten, played 86% of IU's minutes, uh, has continued to stay on the floor, guard guarded the, the other team's best perimeter player. He ended up shooting over 40% from three, barely over 40%, but over 40% from three in Big Ten play. He actually ranks 25th in defensive rebounding percentage uh, in the conference, which is kind of crazy for a guy who's 6'3", um, and, and really kind of took to heart the guard rebounding and all those kinds of things. And I think um, while I think he struggled a lot early in the season to try to figure out what his role was going to be and how much they needed him, and the weight of that at times was a little bit more, I think, than he thought it would be and maybe was able to handle. Um, but the way that he really rebounded from that uh, and turned his senior year into one that was really positive, that's going to pay dividends for the program in the future. Uh, and again, just the kind of the humble kid that he has proven to be time and time again, uh, I think is, is, a, is a really good example for other players coming up. Uh, hopefully a good example for guys that are freshmen this year. And I certainly hope he's a guy who, uh, who won't stray far and will be around the program. Uh, th he's the kind of guy that can come back and uh, may not have been a superstar here, but can have a positive impact on guys who are going to be part of the program and truly values what it means to be part of it. You could tell that it meant a lot to him. Uh, he's had quotes like that over the course of the season about what it's meant to him to, uh, you know, play at a place like IU uh, and how much, uh, you know, how much respect he has for the, you know, for wearing the jersey and what that all means. And uh, there's not a whole lot more that we can ask for as IU fans and a guy who's going to represent the program in the university like that. He's the kind of four-year player that you build Big Ten champions around and that you can build deep tournament runs around. He just, you know, didn't have 
enough help this year. Yep. Um, so this is usually the part in the show, Andy, where we preview Indiana's upcoming opponent, but we don't yet know who that will be, although we do know that Indiana will play next Thursday night, right? Either 6 o'clock or 9 o'clock? I think it's 6.30 or 9 o'clock of the two uh, game times, so it'll be either the 6 or the 7 seed. I forget which one plays first, but one of them okay. plays at 6.30, and then the other plays about a half hour after that's over. So I think 6.30 or 9 um, would be the case there. And um, it's still, yeah, a little bit hard to tell. If, if Nebraska loses to Penn State tomorrow uh, on Sunday, um, then, uh, or sorry, no, if Penn State beats Nebraska, um, then IU would be the seven seed. If Penn State loses to Nebraska, IU would be the six. Uh, if they're the six, they get the benefit of playing somebody who's going to have played the day before, which will be some combination of Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, and Rutgers, who are the, uh, you know, kind of the bottom four teams at this point, how that shakes out. Teams they've already beaten. Remains too. to be seen. And then, um, and if they end up the seven, they'll definitely play Northwestern, uh, who plays at Iowa tomorrow, but doesn't really have a lot to, lot to play for. And then if you kind of pr- try to project forward, um, as you think about, you know, possible run toward the NCAA tournament, um, you would uh, you would have to figure out who they would play in the second round. So if they're the seven, uh, odds are they're gonna or they would play the two uh, if they won. Which if Michigan State and Purdue win uh, on Sunday, as you would you would kind of expect them to, uh, the two seed would look like it would be Ohio State at that point, and Purdue would be the three. So um, likely to face you know a Purdue or Ohio State in the in the uh, I guess that'd be the quarterfinals. Um, no, maybe that's just, yeah, quarterfinals uh, if they get there. So, yeah, a lot to be determined uh, with so many Big Ten games on Sunday. Um, we don't know as much as we probably like to know at this point, but that's at least the, the that scenarios game, that are out there. Win that yourself onto the bubble. So, yeah, there you well. go. Absolutely. Well. I look forward to the postgame show after if they would win one of those games. So. Uh, all right. Remember that because you are an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts, or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout. That's HoosierProud.com, promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off of your entire order. Well, thank you all for being with us here on this edition of the Assembly Call. It is time now for Last Call. And I know it's funny, like this show has kind of felt like a season post-mortem a little bit. You know, it kind of like morphed into that. But there's still games to go. we got the Big Ten Tournament. If Indiana does enough in the Big Ten Tournament, they could still make the NIT. So obviously the season is not over. But it's been it's been great, you know, having all these different perspectives. And I think taking a little bit of a macro look uh, was a useful uh, a useful way to, to kind of leverage everybody that we have in here. So that's kind of why we took it that direction. But guys, let's wrap up how we all always do with last call some final thoughts on indiana's 80 to 78 loss to ohio state and ryan we will start with you yeah i first of all it's just great to as always to be here in bloomington uh sitting on the floor last night before the game we had people recognizing us coming up shaking our hands i thought that was just such a cool thing um you know it wasn't people that we had communicated with either they just kind of walked up and um and were introducing themselves and that was awesome and then uh obviously to meet with people out after the game last night and then to sit here and do our first show where we're all three in the same room was is kind of shocking we're doing this for what this is our sixth year seventh Seventh year year. seventh year year. and we've never all three recorded a show in the same room which is awesome uh so yeah that's my thought i mean i you know we've talked about the game enough i think for me and and um I just where this team is, I you don't know what to expect moving forward. I mean, they could make a run in the Big Ten tournament, but they need guys like Devontae Green to to step up, and they need um, you know Justin Smith's maturation to continue, and they need you know Jawan Morgan and Robert Johnson to be the guys they've been over the last couple games, and or, or I mean specifically with Jawan, the guy he was last night, uh, you know, and and Robert Johnson playing confidently, playing like a senior leader, and that's what we've seen from him the last few games. So. Um, uh, you know, we know what we need from these guys at this point of the year to be successful. And, um, 
it's you know it, 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 regardless of what happens from here on out um i think that we know what this team is capable of and 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 what they've you know where their faults are and where their flaws are so um we'll see what happens in the big 10 tournament i'm looking forward to it uh unfortunately most of the people in new york city do not seem to be looking forward to it so we'll see how this plays out <laughs> and what the atmosphere is like at madison square garden <clears throat> andy uh, well, first, yeah, I mean, I would echo what Ryan said. It's it's awesome to be in the same place and be able to sit down and uh, and talk basketball and, and have a beer with you guys in person and and the other folks who have supported the show and and, and special thanks to Galen for uh, hosting hosting us this afternoon. The true game ball uh, to do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, to be fair, though, we're not responsible for anything that Ryan steals. That's no, totally <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> I'm taking full responsibility for myself, yeah. and then probably something will be missing. Yeah, those, yeah, those of you watching <laughs> on YouTube, there's, there's a metal in, detector yeah. in the front door. So <laughs> those of you watching on YouTube, Ryan did step away for a while. I noticed him filling a, a garbage bag with something <laughs> while Galen sure. was distracted. Sure what happened. Um, no, <laughs> uh, but in terms of the game, I, you know. Um, it, it was a, it was a, you know, in, in retrospect, outside of the outcome, it was a fun game to watch, and, and it, uh, I'm, you know, certainly glad we could be here for the senior night for these guys. And as you look forward to the Big Ten tournament, I think, you know, obviously nobody has fond memories of the Big Ten tournament in any way, shape, or form. However, um, you know, it, there have been a number of times where I think expectations for IU have been uh, a little bit higher going into the Big Ten tournament, and that's led to make some of those disappointments feel the way yeah. that they did. Uh, this year is not that. Um, while we all you know, may have high hopes for how this team is played. I think the overall expectation set is pretty low at this point. And so, uh, you know, if these guys can just come out and, uh, you know, play the way they have been, I think they've got a chance to make some noise. Some crazy things will happen in conference tournaments, and uh, they certainly won't be coming into it with a burden of expectation on them at this point, which uh, I think is a good thing. And, and who knows what that means. It might mean they lose in the first game anyway, and, and we go from there. But hopefully uh, at some point the gentleman I sat next to last night will be proven correct, and they'll pull out one of these close games, and uh, hopefully that comes next week in New York. Was that Dan Dockage? Uh It was not. He was a few, uh, he was a few seats uh, in front behind the Ohio State bench, so I didn't, I didn't yell at him. Uh, I'm surprised he wasn't one of the people that recognized us uh, on the floor, as as he is a big fan of the show, as is well known. Huge but, uh, fan of the show. So yeah, uh, you know, interesting. But uh, yeah, he was he was there. I did not I did not get to chat with him though. Yeah, I just you know I'll echo what you guys say. It's awesome to be in the same room. It's great. It's so great. You know, there are several reasons why I love coming up here. Uh, you know, one of them is being able to meet face to face some of the people who listen to the show and make you know what we do such a rewarding experience. You know, because otherwise we're just you know three middle aged guys talking into our computers at the Who's end. Who's middle aged? Who's middle aged? All of us are. All <laughs> oh, of us are. Man. Uh, but you know, the thing that makes it so exciting and so rewarding is hearing from people how much having the show means to them and how much they love having that place to come and, and talk about IU basketball. And it was awesome meeting another person named Jared Morris who watches the show. That was kind of fun. <laughs> but, did the universe implode when you guys met I don't know. and then we missed it? Uh, but did, lot, Jared did end up showing him his ID, though, so his identity has clearly been stolen by yeah. now, but that's neither here nor there. I know. But uh, you know, the last thing that I want to say, that the most important reason why I love coming up here is – it's really easy for us, I think, you know, watching these games from thousands of miles away, not being in Bloomington, not going to the games, to, I think, lose sight of the, the humanity of the players and the coaches. You know, you just, you watch people on TV and they're these two-dimensional images and you, you know, you get excited about wins and disappointed about losses and you criticize and you, uh, you know, you give people praise and all of that stuff. But, you know, these are... These are people, you know, I mean, you know, Robert Johnson is a guy who takes this as seriously as anybody and to see the look on his face after the game and then to see him two or three hours later when we saw him and to see the same look on his face of disappointment and, and dejection and how much it hurt to lose that game. You know, to me, there's something so meaningful about being 
being able to come up and be here in person uh, and just and just remember that. Um, because you know, I think we've always taken it to heart that we wouldn't say anything on the show that we wouldn't be willing to say, you know, to someone's face. Um, and not like we get that opportunity when we're up here, but it's just a, a good reality check. Um, you know, that these aren't just, you know, basketball players and, it, you know, these are, these are people out there playing a game and trying their best to please us with wins, uh, and to, to minimize the losses and, you know, seeing these guys play so hard in person and to see how much it meant, um, yeah, that's why I love coming up here. And unfortunately, the Hoosiers weren't able to win. Uh, you know that that final dad gum shot had to go through. Uh, but they they certainly played well enough to make us proud. Uh, and now, hopefully, you know they've got a, a little something left. Um, you know, losing these last two games has put a bit of a damper on the end of the season. But they've still got a chance to to write uh, a happier ending to this season in the Big Ten tournament and in the NIT. And we will be here on the assembly call to to chronicle it after the games, however many uh, there may be uh, moving forward. So that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again uh, after Indiana's next game, whenever that may be. And I don't know how we'll navigate uh, our normal assembly call radio time on Thursday night <laughs> and the post game show, but those are details to be figured out at a later date. But we will definitely have some content for you Thursday night. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 P5 Smart Bed is only $17.99. Save $600. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. 
New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.